The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I see no reason to not go back to where we started earlier today. We made our ways through the resurrection of Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. What does the dead man do but come forth? It does what it maker says to do. As we heard uh, this morning uh, from, from Brother Jeremy, and, and as, as I try to so often do when standing before God's people, and that's, then what? Then what? Um, yeah, it's frequent that you know, we see all kinds of incredible things. I've seen, I have seen all kinds of incredible things in my life. Uh, but I've seen much more incredible things in the Word of God. It just astounds me uh, that, that an entity can say, let there be light, and then there is just light. Yeah. There's a lot of things I would love to say, let there be, and it ain't going to happen. Light is one of them. In fact, I walk around my house most evenings saying, let there not be light. Don't you know where these light switches are? You turn them on, turn them back off again. Let there not be light. I can't seem to make that happen. So let's let there be light to form man from the dust of the earth, to form this wonderful machine that is the human body with all of the incredible, incredible detail that it has. You ever seen uh, a scan of someone's eye and compare it to a galaxy? It's incredible. It's, it's, it's absolute. The body is an absolutely incredible mechanical instrument. It is made out of the atoms of this earth, Adam, that is made out of the atoms of the earth, is a physical being, and it is put together, and we can't even begin to understand it, much less recreate it. That's right. Listen, robots can do a lot these days, but they still look like robots. Amen. And they're going to act like robots. And, and as, uh, as we learn, you know, through just logic and, and through the word of God, where we see design, we see a designer. And the one that designed the body knows how to take care of the body, knows how to manage the body. It's one of the reasons why, again, I like to start at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God breathed into Adam. The, he formed the, uh, the man, Adam, from the dust of the ground, breathing his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. I believe that, just like it says it happened. There's, there's a reason why I believe that, and it's because the Bible says that. Yeah. But there's further reason from that is because the hope that we have lies in the resurrection. Yeah. That's the hope. Yes. That is the linchpin by which everything we do revolves around. You pull it out, it's no, it, all, it, all, it all explodes. Right. Right. It's just the way, you know, Paul said that in Corinthians, right? Pack it up, go home if the resurrection is not real. Okay, if it's already passed, pack it up. The resurrection, our hope hinges upon that. Because if nothing comes next then what does it really matter? That's right. Hey, am I too logical up here? <laughs> but Dave Montgomery one time said, it's so logical, it's unlogical. <laughs> okay, I just want to make it easy for you. Okay? I just want to make it easy for me because I need 
easy. There's enough complexity in this world. Amen. Let's just make it easy. God created. And, and in the end, he's going to recreate. How? I don't know. Probably something akin to what he did the first time. Seems like that worked out pretty well until we messed it up. Mm-hmm. He did well. He looked at it and said, it is very good. So here we see in John chapter, in some sorry, in John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And we will begin in verse, uh, well, let's start in verse 45. Then, I like that, what comes next. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. And as we discussed this morning, that glorifies God. Believe in Jesus. If no other reason, you like God, you want to glorify him, believe on Jesus. Everything he says, everything he is. Luke says, these things I'm writing down so that we might have a record of those things which he said and he did. And we have that record before us today. This is one of those records by the hand of John. Nevertheless, one of, the, one of those records is Jesus did these things and the people believed. And thank God for that. They saw it, they believed. Do you see it this morning? Or is it just... Let me ask. All right. yes, Do you see it this morning? Yes. We're not just talking about another football game. Right. A man is alive that was dead. Not just dead for a day or two. He didn't have some. Joe Nettles didn't save his life, and yeah. you know, in the ER, he listen. The voice said, "Lazarus, come forth," and he came out of the grave. He stinks. He needs a bath, but he came forward. He's dead. Do you see it? You really see it. Okay, maybe you don't see that. That's just too, that's too much, preacher. That is just too much. It doesn't happen now, so I'm just going to say maybe it happened then or, or it's symbolic. No, it really happened. Right. If you have any yeah. questions, look at your own life. Are you alive today? Well, yeah, I think so. I, I came here. I was alive. And if you, don't, if you don't sit down and be quiet and let the other preacher get up soon, I might not be alive tonight. <laughs> Nevertheless, I'm here. We are here. We are living in, in him. We live and move and have our being, you might even say. You're alive. But are you really alive? Are you spiritually alive? Are you able to do spiritually what you're able to do physically? Remember John, John chapter 1, verse 1. He essentially says those things which we've seen, which we heard, which we handle the word of life. Um, those things we, we recount to you. That you you know that you may have joy that your joy may be full. Okay, these things which we tangibly, physically experience with our eyes, with our hands, with our mouths, with our ears, probably smelled Jesus from time to time. I mean, they're living in close quarters. This is a real experience, and we're we're going to pass this along to you that your joy may be full. You want to know how you want to know how those that experience Jesus can have their joy fulfilled, is to know more about Jesus. And that's what what you do with something that you love. I love this thing. I want more of it. I love, I love, I love fruity desserts. Uh Yeah. (laughs) And I don't mean odd desserts. I mean desserts filled with fruit. Give me a cobbler, give me a pie, give me a Pop-Tart. Put bread and fruit together. And I'm okay, toaster strudel, you know. I'm okay. Toast strudel is better than pop tart, though. Um, <laughs> give me to- give me pear preserves on a on a on a on a on a, oh, yeah. on a cat head biscuit. Preach that, amen. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard more. I've heard more food metaphors from Joe Nettles than anybody else in my life. If I hear hair and a biscuit one more time, I love you, Joe. There's a lot of things I love. I want more of it. That's right. You want more of Jesus? Amen. You want more of Jesus? Then, then believe on him. It's a, it's, a, it's a perpetuating, 
to self-perpetuating prophecy. We get more Jesus. You want more Jesus. You want more Jesus. You get more Jesus. So find, you find yourself where all you can do is think and breathe and act Jesus. And that's what these men physically did. Yeah. And they said, we're going to tell you about this so that your joy can be full like our joy can be full. But we experience it in a different way. We don't experience it with our physical eyes. If you've seen Jesus in your bathroom mirror, give me a call. <laughs> you know, there's a book, Jesus Calling. I'm glad she's got that sentiment. Jesus did not call her. Okay? There's a, there's a way that we experience it that is not physical, it is spiritual. Because right. we have a problem with the physical, don't we? And Lazarus had a problem with the physical. The physical will let you down. Amen. It will lie to you. It will deceive you. You turn to Genesis chapter 27, you're going to hear a story of a man named Isaac. Y'all remember Isaac? Jacob there is trying to take advantage of him. And Isaac is going to have the opportunity to define reality. We're all defining reality right now, right? We are, we, I, I, I feel, I taste, I see, you know, that, that's how we determine. One of the earliest things you do as a child, one of the earliest things I taught my child, my son had a book. That's not my truck. That's the name of the book. That's not my truck. And, and you open it, and it says, that's not my, pr- that my truck. Its bumper is too bumpy. And it had a piece of corrugated paper underneath the bumper of a truck, and you feel it. We're teaching touch, right? We, we, tell, it, we tell, tell the baby, where's your ears? And the baby points at his Where's your eyes? The baby points at his eyes. What do you do? We see. You know, we teach those things early on to our children, the, the, the physical senses, and that is how we define reality. So Isaac's got a problem. He's blind. So he's got four other senses left. The food tells him it's Esau. The touch tells him it's Esau. The smell tells him it's Esau. He can't see, but the voice tells him it's Jacob. Now, we all know it was Jacob that was deceiving him there, but he thinks it's Esau. And as far as he's concerned, that's his reality. Right. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter, uh, in one of his Peters, in Peter's, where he says, where he says, just before he says, uh, just before he speaks about the word of God, if we have a more sure word of prophecy, that you doeth well, you take, take, pay heed to, we have a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than what? It's more sure than the experience that he has that he recounts on the right. Mount of Transfiguration. Yeah, yeah. He says, it went up there, there was a time when we heard and we saw the voice of God. Y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. He's recounting that experience. He says, I saw it, man, this bright light. This probably smoke in there. I smelled it. It was, it was, it was Elijah and it was Moses. And it was, it, was, it was a surreal, tangible, physical experience. I believe that. As I said this morning, maybe the greatest experience a man has ever had happened on that Mount of Transfiguration. But he says we have a more sure word of prophecy. Amen. More sure than what? His experience. Why? Because your flesh will let you down. Amen. Well said. The Amen. Spirit will never let you down. Amen. The Spirit will never let you down. And it's not letting them down today. They are having this physical experience. And I want you to have it in a spiritual way today that you see the dead brought to life. Y'all see that? Amen. Okay, now what? Well, that's the question that's asked. That's the question. That was a long introduction. I'm sorry. <laughs> now what? That's the question. There were those that believed. Y'all sitting around here, y'all believe, yes, y'all been men, y'all, y'all, y'all still here in the afternoon after lunch, old Baptist meeting. Y'all are the, y'all are the very elect. (laughs) So you are. (laughs) Okay. But there's others that are standing around and maybe this is you. And if there's one of you or there's somebody online, I don't know what it's, but there's somebody that goes, I just don't know. I don't know. Is that for me or is that not for me? Listen to what happens here. John chapter 11, verse 45, many of the Jews which came to Mary had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him, but, that's one of our favorite words at Bethany Church. 
Let me help you. I want to help. I'm going to help you understand the Bible here today. If you just understand this word, but, you can understand much more than maybe you could understand before. That means what's on one side stands in contrast to what's on the other side of that simple little word. You want to understand. You don't understand one side, but I understand this side. Well, just think of the opposite, and that's what you'll have. How to help you understand the word of God. There were some that believed, but. What do you think is coming next? There's some that didn't. Right? And listen to this. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Now, think about this. They told the Pharisees what Jesus had done. To them, this happened. Why? Because they saw it. They experienced it. They, they smelled him when he came out of the tomb. Okay? This was a real experience. And they go to the Pharisees, what's happening? Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees. Listen, these are religious people. Right. These are the, these people more religious than you, brother Silas. Can't believe you say that. Well, they were. Yeah. They, they, these folks in their minds, man, they were the best of the best. They, they went to church every Sunday. They didn't miss a single meeting. You won't believe how far they drove to a meeting. They, these are them. They go to the council and they said, "This is the question. This is the question that that the world asks. This is the question that." That, that the spiritual world, at both kingdoms, the spiritual and the physical, ask this question when encountering the real Jesus Christ. What do we? Right. What do we do? You see, for, for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Jesus ain't a problem right now. Yeah. He's the solution to their problems. Y'all remember the man that was laid down and feed Jesus Christ? They, they, they literally raise the roof, they remove the tiles, they get down, and they lay this man, this lame man down at the feet of Jesus Christ, and Jesus sees the Pharisees outside, and he looks down at this man, he says, my son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus knew his real problem, okay? Pharisees go, who are you to forgive someone's sins? And, they, and, and Jesus does his version of, hey, y'all, watch this. <laughs> Here's why I can tell him his sins are forgiven. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And he does exactly what the voice of God tells him to do. Amazing how often we see that in the Word of God. Right, yes. Amazing how often we don't see it in our lives, but we see it in the Word of God. That we don't do what God tells us to do. Why? Because that's what our free will does. Here they are, the religious, the religious elite. I call them that a lot. Because that... that that is still that heart still exists today, doesn't it? Yes, okay, right. we knew better. We've been doing this a while. Okay, we listen. I, you don't know how long I've been old. I hear I, I've heard some, you. You know how long I've been old Baptist. I've been old Baptist. I've been coming to old Baptist church since I was two years old. I hadn't. I found out my great great granddaddy was a church clerk at Harmony Primitive Baptist Church in Eva, Alabama, uh, when he moved there from Henry County, Georgia, in the 1800s. That's the lineage. Wow, you know, found that out later. But I wasn't raised old Baptist. These folks are raised. This is who they are. Jesus, listen to me, poses a threat. Yes, that's exactly right. David Crawford came to our meeting the other day. He said, you know what? God is dangerous. That's scandalous, isn't it? God is dangerous. Y'all believe God is dangerous? Listen, you put the ark in the hand of the Philistines and let them tell you God is not dangerous. God of Israel is dangerous. Don't do what God tells you to do. That's dangerous for you. Do what God tells you to do. That's dangerous for you. God is dangerous. Isn't that good? That's good. God is. I didn't make that up. That's David Crawford's. God is dangerous. God is dangerous 
for the systems and organizations of this world. Right. Especially those that tried to usurp the power of God that was the law into their own selfish ambition. Listen to what happens here. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation, period, point made. Their problem wasn't spirituality. It wasn't religion. It wasn't God. It's that they are going to take away what we have, and the Romans are going to take everything we have away from us. That the people that listen to us now will listen to him. That the Romans are going, that that's going to cause conflict. And this has been happening over and over and over again as Rome has dwelt in Jerusalem. And that's part of Pilate's problem, right? One more bad turn of events or rebellion and riot, he's out of a job. That's why he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't necessarily think Jesus needs to hang on the cross, but he sure doesn't want a revolution and rebellion happening. Otherwise, he's out of a job and probably out of a life. This is man. Right. This is the systems of the world. So let's talk about that a little. What do we? That's a good question. That's a good question. Turn to Matthew chapter 27, if you will. What do we? Matthew chapter 27. Uh, you're going to see there in verse 22, you're going to see some words from Pontius Pilate. 27 and 22 of Matthew. Pilate saith unto them, what shall I, den, I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say in him, let him be crucified. This man that has raised Lazarus from the dead, what do you do with him? What? You believe on him? Well, that's too much. Let, give me some time, preacher. Yeah. Give me some time. I'm trying to figure out what to do with Jesus. What do you do with him? Pilate, what do you... I don't think he needs to hang on a cross... But if I let him go, i got a problem on my hands. And so what? Pilate is considering himself in this situation. This is all about him. Controlling what he can control. Keeping the power that he has. Let me tell you, there's a lot of power in, gov- in government. Yeah. Okay? But there's also a lot of power in religion. Okay? You look before the United States of America at every civilization that has ever existed on the face of this planet, and you're going to see two entities inseparably twined together, and that is government and religion. Right. Inseparable. Inseparable. Over and over and over again, it's the Pope telling the king who he can and can't marry or who he can and can't divorce. Divorce. It's, it's who gets to tell who what to do. And in, and in every civilization, it's religion and it's politics that are inseparable of one from another until we find ourselves in in this idea of separation in church and state, which was a statement made by Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist of Virginia. It was the idea of Thomas Jefferson saying, we're not going to get in your business. The government is not going to get in your business. It was never intended to say, don't have your business be spirituality if you're you're a a civic leader in this country. That was the point behind this. They are concerned about themselves. Pilate is concerned about himself here. Remember, there's a rich young ruler, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. There is a rich young ruler, and he comes to Jesus Christ, and his question is very similar. He's encountering Jesus Christ, Luke chapter 18, verse 18. He says, a certain young ruler asked him, saying, good master. Y'all see the position that he's in? Good master. There's a reverence for this man named Jesus Christ. Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He's encountered Jesus Christ. In some fashion of who he is, good master, 
And he says, what do I do? What do I do? It's a good question, isn't it? It's a good question. Paul recounts in Acts chapter 2, uh, 22, verses 9 and 10, Paul is recounting his experience on the road to Damascus, on the road to Damascus, and he, and he, and he asks the Lord, what do I do? What do I do? You see what the response is when one encounters Jesus Christ. Right. Whether it's the response of the world or whether, whether it's the response of a born-again child of God. Right. Okay? Those that are in the kingdom. The question is, the good question is, what do I do? Acts chapter, 20, Acts, Acts chapter 2, we were talking about uh, Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, right? What then do we do? They were pricked in their hearts. What then do we do? Jesus uh, and Peter says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. It's time for you. What do we do? That's an appropriate question. What do you do? Repent and be baptized right. for the remission yeah. of sins. This is the appropriate reaction. You may be asking me today, I've encountered Jesus Christ in my life. What do I do? Peter's answer is my answer. Repent and be baptized. Yeah. Do it today. Yeah. Choose you. Not tomorrow, not yesterday. Choose you this day who you will serve. Okay? Repent and be baptized. It's a good question, but they're asking it for a bad reason. Right. It's a bad reason. And their reason is, 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 is uh, it's not unusual. It's not unusual. And, it's, an, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a reason, it's a question and a reason that, that mentions, well, you know, you ever ask, why, why are they here? <laughs> You ever seen somebody walk into your church and you say, why are they here? Okay. Walk through the hallways of uh, the hospital one time. Walk through the hallways of the hospital one time and with, with Elder David Crawford. And uh, we were walking through and we were visiting a Baptist, in, in Baptist hospital in, in Jacksonville, Florida. And a nurse pops out of the corner and says, hey, can I, can I help you gentlemen? And I said, uh, yeah, we're looking for so-and-so. I can't remember who it was. We're looking for so-and-so. And she says, oh, he's down here in this room over there. And we walk on and David says, you know what she's trying to do? I said, she's trying to be helpful. Find out where we're going. She said, nope, she wants you to know she's in charge and she sees you on this hallway. <laughs> That's an interesting concept. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting concept. Probably something we do a lot of, right? Hey, how you doing? Go shake the visitors. Hey, how you doing? You don't look like us. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? Here we have this group of people. They're gathered together, the chief priests and the Pharisees and the council, and they say, what do we do? For this man doeth many miracles. I want you to mark that and understand there doesn't seem to be a question about what Jesus is doing. And, and there's not just the one. There's a combination of, of elements and times and things that are happening throughout the course of Jesus' short time here that are adding up to this time where these men go, this is a problem for us. Yeah, right. It's a problem for us. And what, what, what threat does it pose? Well, it, it threatens their power. I teach church, seventh grade church history at the little Christian school where my kids go to school having the blessing of teaching my son church history. And we spend the entire first semester going through the book of Acts. And then we do the seven letters to the churches of Asia Minor. That's the second generation church. And then we do church through the histories. And we do it from a non-denominational perspective. I can't tell them everything I really know about, you know, church history, you know. But also telling them, that I'm, I ain't telling them everything they shouldn't know about church history, right? right? But we go through the years and we spend a lot of time with Acts. And I tell them at the beginning of the year, I say, look, y'all are seventh grade. 
you know, graders, and I told y'all a little bit about seventh grade boys. That that's real for all of them. And eight, right. seventh grade girls ain't that much better. Some of the meanest things on this planet are middle school girls. I mean that. I've run in some mean dudes throughout the course of my life. None of them, you know, match some of these eighth grade girls that I have to deal with. <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, here we are. And 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 I, t- I say, look, watch this. You're gonna see. You're gonna see control, power, corruption, fall. Control. Power, corruption, fall, over and over and over again, and that is what's going to be uh, what is going to highlight church history for you right. in this class. Why? Because I get to talk to God because I'm a preacher and I get to talk about God, and that gives me some control in your life because that's God and He sent me to talk to you. Right? That was the problem with the priesthood. Because right. if you wanted to get to God, you had to go through the priest. That gives them power. And if the priest or the preacher says, God told me to tell you, who are you to argue with that? Right. And that is the position that the Pharisees are in. Right. And the priests are in. Is if, is if the veil does get ripped, if the holy place does open up, if we lose that ability to be the mediator between God and man, then we lose all the control and power that we have. Right. And that is their problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's a problem with trying to control God's people. You ain't in charge. God is. These are my people, he says, called by my name. And they're not Silas's or David's or Joe's or Neil's or any other Jeremy's or any other people. These are God's people. They don't belong to me. I am here to serve. We are here to serve. And we are here to serve each other. That's what we do. Not to lord over the creed, not to lord over God's people. There's direct references to that. Okay, so here we are, these people, that is what they're doing, and that is their place. Ironically, ironically, they say, if we let him alone, thus all men will believe on him. Y'all see their fear? It's so clear to them what he's doing is special and supernatural. If we just let this go, all men will believe on him. We won't have anybody believing on us. Y'all think they thought it was real? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they thought it was real. This is really going on. And if all believe on him, ironically, it was this conflict that ultimately leads to the cross. Right. It was ultimately what led to many more believing on him because they sent him to the cross to stop people from believing on him. Right. They sent him to the cross. He goes into the grave. He comes back out three days later. And guess what happens? Many believe on him. Right. Right. <laughs> God's got the last laugh after all, Amen. doesn't he? Amen. That's right. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands begin to believe on him as a result of them trying to stop people from believing on them. The Romans would take away their place in their nation. Ironically, this was going to happen anyway. In fact, Jesus prophesied this. Remember Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 21? Now this is what Stephen eventually got stoned for. This was the charge. In Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 21, you're going to read, you're going to read the story where Jesus Christ says, you see this temple? And this is a big, beautiful, you know, to, to not sound like a former president, but this is a big, beautiful gold <laughs> temple. Okay, that's what this place is. It is, it, is, it, is, it is the place. And it's young. It's new. Solomon's temple was destroyed when the Babylonians came along. Herod the Great comes as the great builder, built many magnificent structures throughout the Mediterranean. And he builds this temple back. And it's fairly new. That's why they're all excited about religion again. That's why the priesthood and the Pharisees and all of this stuff is real. Because it's new. Listen, you want to be excited as a church? Go get a new pastor. Do that every two years. you got a problem. 
Okay? Because you're depending on the newness of it to give you excitement instead of the oldness of it to give you excitement. Amen. The fact that it's held on for so long. So this new temple is built. Okay? And, and, and they're really excited during the time of Jesus' days because they're back to the good old days, right? The church is full. We're back. Y'all hear the singing this morning and this afternoon. That sounds like back to the good old days, doesn't it? That gets you a little excited. How long is that going to last for you? Right. How long is that going to last for you? So here they are. If we let him alone, um, the Romans are going to come and they're going to destroy this place. Jesus had told them in chapter 19 and chapter 21 of Luke, that's going to happen anyway. Not one stone is going to be left on another. In 66 AD, the siege of Jerusalem begins. In 70 AD, Titus destroys the temple and not one stone is left upon another. It's going to happen anyway. And the, the, the irony in everything they tried to do, God thwarting and doing it, doing it anyway, just, just if, if not for any other reason, to spite them, to come back on them. That is the goal because these are the organizations and the systems of men, and God's got an organization and a system for himself. Right. And those two are in conflict one with another. Y'all see that? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. There's some that believe. I believe, Brother Silas. Good. What if you're like, what do we do now? There's a lot of folks that you know that see this Jesus and they see the miracles and they believe there's some level of understanding and consciousness of this Jesus was a real man. The Lord has touched their heart and they're looking at Jesus and they go, yeah, but what does this mean for me? What do we? If I do this, this happens to me. If I do this, this happens to me. And there's enough folks in your lives that you can show them what happens when you believe. Right. You can show them what happens when you let the glory of God, God highlight your life. You can show them what it's like to get through those times of pain and despair like, like, the, like the writer, H.G. Spafford, of, of It As Well. We sang that song this morning as the introductory hymn. Uh, uh, when, when sorrows like sea billows roll. You know the name of that tune? Anybody know the name of that? Vildhav. Vildhav. That's the name of the ship that crashed in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean carrying his two daughters when they lost their lives. And he's crossing the Atlantic. And I imagine he's thinking of those songs in the middle as they pass over the spot of where his daughters had passed away. After leaving them to go back to Chicago on business, after having lost his son, after having lost everything in the great fire of Chicago, he's now lost his daughters and all, and he's on his way to see his wife in Europe. And he passes over that spot and he says, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's a powerful song, yes, isn't it? Yeah. Especially when you know the story. And the tune, everything about it is just, it's supernatural to me. Everything about it is just the way it ought to be. And, but we can live that way, can't we? Yeah. Yes. We can say that we have had experience, we have seen the dead raised back to life, and we have said, this is what it means for me, I will believe. Amen. But there's others sitting out there saying, this is what it means, what do we do? You're going to be with the kingdoms of the world? And, and try to do everything you can to suppress this thing called Jesus Christ? Or are you going to believe your eyes, believe your ears, and believe what is actually happening in your life, and you're going to make a conscious decision to follow Jesus Christ in believer's baptism? Not just in believer's baptism, 
It didn't end there, did it? No. I hope your discipleship did in there. I've baptized a couple. You baptize them, they're there for a week or two, and then they disappear. You ever done that, really? And it's like, well, where'd you go? Well, uh, this, you know, you know, I got always got stuff going on. Listen, it doesn't end at baptism. That's only the beginning of a Christian's right. walk. That's right. It doesn't end there. You got to keep going. Well, sometimes that's hard. Yeah, I know it is. That's why you got Jesus walking right along with you. Amen. He walked the path. He was put in the grave, and he came out later. If he can do that, he can make you through your hardest times of your life. Hope that, uh, hope that we've been a blessing to you. Hope that today when you ask yourself the question, what do we do now, that it's a positive response to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.